Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I'm your host, Amy Ravel. You might be able to hear the big smile on my face. Because you know how in when you're really into your job, there's always a couple of heroes around the world that you look up to and you follow. Today, I get to have Lisa Woodruff on the podcast herself. Welcome, Lisa. Oh, my goodness, Amy. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm just thrilled you said yes, because I actually procrastinated on sending you the email, like probably in ADHD style, but also in the it's a long shot. She's doing a PhD. She's so busy. And so I was absolutely thrilled that you said yes. So thank you for coming on. Yes. I, I love coming on. I love listening to podcasts. I love producing podcasts. I love being guests on podcasts. Like, I just love it. You're in your happy place. Yes. So for those of you who don't know Lisa, she's the founder and CEO of Organize365. She's also the author of four books, including, which is going to be perfect for today's episode, How ADHD Affects Home Organization. Lisa, I want to paraphrase you back to you. I heard on one of your shows, you said really perfectly, I'm guessing this is like your vision statement or something in the business, but you talk about doing what you have to do quickly and efficiently so that you can focus on the things that you love and sharing your unique with the world. Oh my goodness. I like how you paraphrase it better than I normally say it. I might take your paraphrasing. Yeah, that's the Organized 365 mission, which is to help get you your home and paper organized in one year functionally so that you can use your time for what you're uniquely gifted and created to do. That is brilliant. And so this is not on my list of questions, but how would you describe what you're uniquely gifted and created to do? That is so interesting that you asked that. I think, especially as adult women, we don't like to even daydream about what we're uniquely gifted and created to do because it's selfish. 
And originally it was to start Organize 365, but when you start doing what you're uniquely gifted and created to do, you attract other people who are also interested in doing that same thing. And as each of those dreams become manifest, then there's another one right behind it and another one behind that. And now I would say what I'm uniquely gifted and created to do is changing almost every four months because I'm no longer stopping myself. I'm just like your kid. Like if your kid said, oh, I want to try ballet. Okay, now I want to try soccer. Okay, now I want to try piano. Okay, my friends are having a sleepover and I want to go to sleepover. Like you just say, as a parent, you just say yes. Like I'm just saying yes to myself and I'm like, okay, so I'm basically going to start my own little like TV show. Like, yeah, it's not like a TV show like on TV, but like I had this idea last weekend. I was like, why are you waiting for someone to say you can have a TV show? I have all the backdrops. I have a warehouse. I have the content. I'm just kind of going to create it on Instagram. You're going to start seeing by June on Instagram and we'll Uh. also put it in our app. It's like every day is a different episode, but if you watch it, you'll you'll be like, oh yeah, this is like a weekly show. It's just snippets all throughout the week. And listeners, how good is it? Lisa said, <laughs> I had this idea last week and in four weeks, you're going to see it presented and, and started to be pumped like ADHD at its finest. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. Exactly. So Lisa, I want to focus today on how ADHD affects home organization and some of the ways that we can work with how our brains work, our strengths to develop some strategies that work for us as ADHDers. The first question that I have that I've been using all throughout this series is, do you have ADHD? Do you work with ADHDers? Do you live with ADHDers or all of the above? I love this question because I'm immediately getting imposter syndrome. Like, oh my gosh, who am I to be discussing ADHD? I'm not a medical doctor. That's immediately what goes through my head. Like, Lisa, don't get sued. <laughs> but, but I've studied ADHD as a teacher, like to support my students at first and then my own children. And yes, last fall, I was officially diagnosed with ADHD medically. But when you test my executive function, I don't have any executive function deficits. And all of my research for ADHD up until that point was I supported students and I supported my kids by creating scaffolding and either circumventing or strengthening each of their executive functions for optimal living. And I've been really interested actually following your journey of diagnosis and then having that test that you did around the executive functioning. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is actually one of your superpowers is that with an ADHD wired brain, you've created that scaffolding that has, from a testing perspective, nullified the deficiencies or the challenges that our ADHD brains naturally have. Like, does that blow your own mind? Again, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> so I want to discuss this at great length. And also I'm like, who am I? <laughs> who am I, this Wait. elementary teacher, stay-at-home mom, blogger, podcaster, to be talking about potentially uh, mitigating some of the negative effects of ADHD? So before we go into what I think I've been able to support, I want to express what I know that I cannot support. So as I've been so excited about how the different systems Organize 365 has created have supported me and thousands of people Mm. with or without ADHD to improve their executive function. I recognize now in some other people who have been diagnosed with ADHD that these systems help, but they don't 
provide the same mitigation that they do for me. And what mm -hmm. I've learned now in my PhD journey is that executive function can be a deficit inside of ADHD, but it is not the definition of ADHD. So you can have ADHD and not have executive um, mm -hmm. function negative effects, which is what yeah. I'm having now. I know for a fact I did, and I have changed my own personally, and I will be doing the research to um, see that with other people. But there are some inherent things inside of ADHD, and there are some executive function that I do not know how to mitigate or support. And those would mm -hmm. be like emotional control, impulse control, more of the emotional and like you act before you think. I don't have a solution Story of for that. my life. Yeah, I have a solution for like five of the eight executive functions are organization related. They're organization planning, yeah. working memory, flexible thinking, like those as a teacher, a student, and now a business owner, those are the ones that I've learned how to support. But there definitely are other ones that I don't know how to. And then there are other comorbidities and manifestations of ADHD that I personally don't have, but I have family members who do have, and I don't know how to support those. And in my observation, medication has been really, really good for them, but it also mm -hmm. doesn't completely solve the problem. So I, right. I don't want anybody to think like, oh, she just thinks it's, you know, the Sunday box and then you're done. Like I, I, no, I don't. <laughs> no, but it's about putting together those skills. And I think the whole of this ADHD series has absolutely been going off. Like I'm blown away by the feedback and the numbers of people listening because we're not coming and saying, here's everything you need to know about ADHD. Here's everything that will stop you being hindered by, you know, the way that your brain works or the way that your habits work. But it's actually like, here's a snippet and here's a snippet and here's how an engineer thinks about it and here's how a school teacher thinks about it and here's how an occupational yeah. therapist thinks about it and here's how Lisa thinks about it. Tell us quickly as well, you're doing your PhD on this stuff. Tell me I, about that. I am, I am. Okay, so it is, ADHD is a big component because people who have been diagnosed with ADHD or suspect that they have ADHD are open to suggestions for change. But really what I'm getting my PhD for in the conversation and the research I'm doing is about the home, the housework that we have to do, what is home organization, how do you get organized, what's functional organizing versus perfectionist organizing, why do 87% of Americans believe that organization is a learnable skill, and yet when you ask them if they're organized, it's 13 to 18% say yes, like that's just yeah. horrible. It's a big gap. It's a big gap. But most Americans go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, oh, yeah, it's learnable, but I'll never be organized. They just move on with their lives. People who are diagnosed with ADHD or suspect they have ADHD are like, I need help. You must help me. I'm going to die. Give me all the things. Yeah. yeah. And so, ironically, the people who are the most inherently organizationally challenged because it affects these executive functions are also the most interested in putting the work in to solve the problem because they know that the return would be such a greater return in their life. Yeah, and they're feeling the pain of those, the things that we see other people do, what seems like so easily. Right. And then we're like, why can't I do that? And tell me the hack because we love a good hack. Yes. ADHD brains are like, give me the shortcut and I will take the shortcut. Yes. And so I think the research that I started doing in, in 2021, I hired a PhD person and we um, used a university. We did academic level research, but without a PhD, I can't publish in journals. So I've disseminated the bejesus out of the uh, research that I've done on podcasts and in yeah. live events and in webinars. 
but I have not been published in journals. And until I have my own research published in journals, it can't be quoted by other researchers. And other researchers uh -huh. don't even know we're doing it. So um, in the mainstream media, the conversation right now at home is that men aren't doing enough work and that if men would just do their share, that we'd all be fine. First of all, women don't even know the work we're doing because it's invisible to us. So how do we tell someone else what to do? That's why we get so frustrated when a man says, well, just tell me what to do. Well, we don't even know what we need help with. So we get frustrated yeah. right there. And then you just have all these marital conflicts. It's just, we're not solving the problem, but it's a really good headline for media. And yeah, I like right. to <laughs> solve a problem. I think the problem is we're just doing too much work. <laughs> yeah, think, right across the board. Yeah, just like let's yeah. stop like ironing your linens and dusting every week. Like these things don't oh, need amen, to be done. Amen, sister. So that's number one. So it goes right along with you, like the art of decluttering. Like think about all of the things that you do and or have the mental to-do list that you think a perfect homeowner does and get rid of like 80% of it. Yeah, yeah. And then with what's left then decide who's going to do it or if you're going to do it at all or if you're going to outsource it and get an actual list and have a conversation with all the people that live in your household about what the standard is you want to live to. And then I think the final thing is what you talk about is you've, it's got to be a habit. Here's the thing. Mm. We're all, you know, especially with ADHD. I just don't want to do what I don't want to do. <laughs> I can't make, all the time I can't about make myself. Yes. Here's the thing. We thought that when we got grown up and we had our own house, no one would tell us anymore that we had to clean our bedroom on Saturday morning. The, the truth is you have to clean the whole daggone house. So we argue with ourselves all day long about how we don't want to clean our bedroom because there's no parent to tell us to clean it anymore or to argue with. And so we spend so much mental energy. And so yeah. I focus so much on what I want to do, get a PhD, play with my grandchild, grow my business. Then I'm like, okay, so in order to get more time to do that, how can I shrink the other work that I don't want to do in the smallest amount of pie possible and then do it in the most efficient way possible and just do it? And so I get up like, do I want to clean and organize my house? No, I'd rather read a book, record a podcast. But I'm like, okay, this is the hour and I'll put on a podcast I want to listen to. And then I just buzz through that list and I try to yeah. beat my time from last week and get it done. <laughs> You're speaking my language. I am so competitive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to, let's, so you were talking about those eight executive functions. Mm -hmm. I think there's three that I really want to get your thoughts on because I think there's, I've heard you talk about quite a few of them and three really piqued my interest where I was like, oh, I think you have a different take and a different insight and just some, you've, you've done the work on them. The first one is working memory. <laughs> what is it? Okay. So and working memory. Oh, tell us about it. Yes. Okay, no, tell us how this works. <laughs> so I realized what working memory was like probably 20 years ago. So I am a teacher and I am a math teacher. And often the math teacher at school will know when a child is going to be diagnosed with ADHD or a learning uh, difficulty around third or fourth grade before the okay. language arts teacher or anyone else notices, especially if it's not related to hyperactivity. Yeah. And it is because of working memory. And working memory is actually a subtest on an IQ test. So if you mm -hmm. take the um, WISC test the WISC for one? intelligence, yep. you're going to see the working memory score. And often, if you have a lower working memory score related to the overall IQ, this is a good indicator that there is an ADHD deficiency there. So working memory is the amount of information you can hold in your head at one time without missing a step. So like if mm. you go to the store and you've got four things in your head and you pick up three and you get home and darn it, I forgot the fourth thing. But we noticed it or I noticed it as a math teacher when I was teaching long division. Or when kids are working on story problems. And it is because there are so many steps. So long division, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the old way because I don't know the new way. I loved when COVID happened and everybody was like, oh, there are a whole bunch of kids. They're going to learn carry the one. So, yeah. <laughs> so long division, you know, you think about doing a long division. And now long division is like a page. It's ridiculous. If you have a student who is struggling because they skip a step, that's working mm -hmm. memory. It's remembering yeah. that you have to multiply and then divide and then move it down and then carry the one and then all those steps. That is a high working memory activity. Um, how that plays out in real life, um, one of my kids really struggles with working memory. And so as a child, they were not able to make their own food. And this sounds mm -hmm. odd, but if you think about your children, you'll be like, oh, if you have kids that um, really struggle with you give them multiple step directions. I would have to write my both of my kids' directions down on a post-it note and send them with the post-it note, which they yeah. very much appreciated. So my son was getting ready to make a bagel. And I, we were talking in therapy about it. And I said, yeah, he can't even make a bagel. She's like, well, that's because it's like 18 steps. And I was like, it is not 18 steps to make a bagel. She's like, yes, it is. First, he has to get out the bagel. Then he has to get out the toaster. Then he has to get out the cream cheese. Now he has to open up the bagel. Now you have to put the bagel in the toaster. And... You remember when you're in eighth grade and you had to write that how-to, like you had to write yeah, a how-to presentation yeah. and do it? That's exactly what it's like. That is your working memory, like your working memory, especially if it's not something that you're uniquely gifted and created to do, 
it mm. is like step one. Step, it's like putting together an Ikea piece of furniture. Like, okay, let's look at the picture again. And when you really struggle with working memory and it's really deficient, everything becomes so hard and everything mm-hmm. takes so much energy. And it's confusing. When I first heard you use, I'm a bit of a maths nerd. When I first heard you use that example about long division, it brought me to tears, Lisa, because that was the first moment in my life when I was in grade five, I got my first ever not A plus on a long division maths test. And I remember that moment, you know, how you've got moments in your primary school life where I thought, oh no, I'm an A plus student. Why did I get like a D? I don't understand this thing. Why is it so hard? And understanding like the, you know, when you talk about the bagel, I had my mind blown the other day and it was just before I listened to one of your episodes on your show about working memory. I was with a client and we were having lunch. I buy the same lunch every single day when I see a client because I don't want to make a decision. I walk into the shop, I buy the sandwich and I never, ever, ever change because I don't want another decision in my day. But this lady, in three minutes, she went, oh, what am I going to have for lunch? I think I'll have a salad. She whipped up a salad in three minutes and I sat there with my jaw dropped. I was like, I've never whipped up a salad. That seems like a six-hour job to me. She did it in three minutes with no fuss. She even had protein and a dressing. Well, I never thought of that before. I do eat all the same foods during the day. I just say it's because of productivity. But the same child that couldn't make a bagel went on a school trip and didn't eat the whole time because every time they got to place an order, he didn't know what to order. And then we'd be leaving. And I noticed this on a family mm-hmm. trip. Like we'd stop the car, we'd go, we'd all get, we'd eat. And he still didn't know what to do. And he'd get back in the car. And I know that he's starving. And so yeah. then I created scripts. And I was like, if they have a burger, you always get a burger. If they have wings, you always get wings. So like when he walks in, he's like, one, two, three, what's on the menu? That's what I get. Like he doesn't even look at the that- menu. And it's because they just cannot even, I mean, that goes into flexible thinking. These are all related, but Mm. yeah, knowing that, um, what foods you like and will always agree with your body. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, these are your top three and pretty much every recipe has a chicken or a burger. Um, and if they don't, it's like, oh boy. Hot chips. Hot chips. I'll just take the hot chips. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you do, but. So working memory when it comes to organization can feel really overwhelming because every like every piece of paper has yeah. multiple steps. So you have created some tools and some flows that make that easier. Tell me, tell us about those. So I think back to that uh, conversation we were having or I was having about how we argue with ourselves all week long about when we're going to clean because we don't want to clean and organize yep. and clutter. And it's all the mental that we're doing. So there is the working memory of physical things in front of you. But once it's physical, it eliminates a lot of working memory. So like if you're Mm. picking up a paper and it has multiple steps to do, there's definitely a process for that. But I think the bigger issue for working memory for us at home is the mental chatter that we have going on about trying to remember things in our brain, which you should never do, by the way. It does not work well for anyone, even organized people. No, no one can do it. So I don't do it anymore. I literally write down every single thing that my brain thinks. This morning, I've already filled 12 index cards and I don't care. I recycle them. It'll be fine. 
I write down everything that I want to remember, every idea I have, every podcast idea, every person I want to connect to, um, just mm-hmm. randomness. And then yep. once those things are written down and they're out of my head, then my head is able to, my brain is able to do what it's uniquely created to do, which is, you know, create the next product or be fully present in this podcast and not have my mind wander mm-hmm. at all. My mind no longer wanders. Really? Ever. Ever. So I was so sitting, ha- yeah, exactly. So I was sitting a year ago, a year ago this week, because I'm going back to the conference this week. And there was a woman there talking about mindfulness. I was like, oh, Lisa, you should pay attention because, you know, that's a big buzzword and you don't know what it is. <laughs> and you should be, people are always talking about being mindful, being mindful. So she, she like walked us through this whole exercise and then she was done. I was like, well, when is she going to teach us anything? I was like, oh my gosh, I am mindful a hundred percent of the time. I was like, how can, Lisa, you can't say that on a podcast. Like people are going to think that you're crazy. Nobody's mindful a hundred percent of the time. I am because when my brain wanders or I have a thought, I write it down and then I'm right back to what I'm doing. Like, yeah. I don't daydream in the middle of this interview or in the middle of a meeting. I'm 100% present in the meeting. Like, I just don't because so I... So do you have do you have that paper with you? Like, I everywhere. do it as well. Everywhere. You've, I have index cards <laughs> in my purse, in my car, by my nightstand, in my, by my mm. bathtub, at my desk, everywhere. I was... This morning before this podcast, I went in and talked to a colleague and she said a couple of things. I'm like, give me a note card. I came back to my office with two note cards from just casually having the conversation. I have to look for light bulbs at home and I have to tell another uh, employee something. And she wrote those down for me and I carried my note cards back. We all do it. And so That's our brain great. is 100% present all of the time. Now, obviously you need to go back and people are like, I'd lose the note cards. Well, you have to develop the habit of reviewing the note cards. But I thought that what I was creating in the Sunday basket was a way to process through your paperwork each week and to stay uh, ahead of what you need to do at the house. Mm-hmm. And what my audience has told me is you get your brain back. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes when you create one thing to solve one problem, you actually solve a much bigger problem. And that is your brain is supposed to daydream. Did you know that? Like your brain is always yeah, supposed good to daydream. For us. Yeah. Yeah. So if you even think through this podcast episode, there may be times where you started to think about other things. But then when I started telling the story about the bagel, or I started telling the story about the long division, you were thinking about, you were locked into that story. But right now we're That's kind right. of bantering back and forth. So your brain is kind of wandering. That's okay. As soon as we get into another good story, you'll listen again. And mm. you will, maybe you've had some good ideas come up during this podcast. Like, oh, I want to find out if I ever had that intelligence test and if what my working memory is, or I'd like to get my working memory test, write that down <laughs> and put it on an index card. It may be two years from now before you actually do it, but just write it down. And then your brain will trust you that it's allowed to give you any idea it wants to at any time, work, home related, marriage, doesn't matter. And you will write it down and then it can just keep thinking and thinking and thinking. Yeah. And the, the, the writing it down is no commitment other than to write it down. Like I've really had to work at saying to myself, Amy, just because you wrote that down, or I do a lot of emailing myself and yeah. then I have folders. So I have the, that I put it in the folder and then I review those once a week. And so I'm, I now allow myself to go, you can delete those. You can say, yeah. I'm going to cross that thing off the list, but my brain knows that at least I've considered it. A hundred percent. Because once you write it down, the emotion behind it goes away. 
If you try to remember mm-hmm. something in your head all day long, okay, don't forget to bring the book to work tomorrow. Don't forget to bring the book to work tomorrow. You forget to bring the work book to work tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah. then you're like, I'm terrible. I'm horrible. I don't even know why I have this job. I can't even remember to bring a book to work. And you laugh, but it's totally how we it's think. So, Whereas yes. I have literally written it down three times to bring the, it took me four days to bring the book. I'm like, oh, write it down again, write it down, write it down again. But when you write it down, the emotion goes away because now it's just mm. a thing on a piece of paper. And yes, at first, you'll write it down because you think you're going to get all this stuff done, which is hilarious. Yeah, not going to. <laughs> and you're not going to. And then eventually you're like, okay, great. I'll write that down and I'll look at it later, brain. And then you look at it later yeah. and go, that was not a good idea. And other ones, like this idea of this little mini TV show I want to do, I'm like, yeah. that's that's got legs. So I came in and spent six hours and set up my little TV studios at the work. And like, we're off to the races <laughs> because I'm not trying to get everything done on my to-do list. I'm able to figure out what's actually important and all the rest of the stuff can wait. So in the Sunday basket, our big rule is, can it wait until Sunday? A lot of those things you write down can wait until Sunday for eight years. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, someone will come into your life and you're like, wait, I have information about that. And you'll be able to go back and find this information and match it to the person. And then you'll be able to do something easier and faster because you have recorded it. It's almost like having your own catalogue is how I kind of find it. Um, I do a lot of mine digitally and it's this, you know, every Monday, it's actually Sunday nights I do it now because I like feeling like I'm ahead. I hate feeling behind and I'm such a goody two-shoes A grade student that I'm like, if I can get ahead of myself, then myself tomorrow will be so impressed with myself. Yes. So what you've got the Sunday basket, which is around, you know, putting, having a place where all of those things go and having a specified um, time when you go through and you action those things. So you're saying to yourself, you don't need to spend all week doing those tiny little tasks, mm-hmm. bring it together, be intentional. Um, and it also, I would imagine, gives you a time limit. So it's not like, oh, all these things just yeah. expanded to fill my week. Yeah, I would say going from reactive mode and trying to tick off as many things as I could from my to-do list on a daily and hourly basis gave me a dopamine hit that I was accomplishing things during the day, but I was never accomplishing anything of significance. Mm. Now, keeping humans alive, you know, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. nothing of a significance. But you weren't prioritizing as much as you would have preferred to probably. Right. I wasn't getting any like big meaningful things that only Lisa could do checked off the list. I was a really good house cleaner, chauffeur, parent, all of those things. But in order to start Organize 365 and then add on all the complexities that I've had after that, I had to find time. And because Mm. I was always available to my family, I didn't have any big pockets of time. I was always looking for big pockets of time. So instead, what I ended up doing was get rid of all of the little tasks I was doing during the week, which gave me like an hour a day of focused Mm -hmm. time. And all of the little tasks got put on Sunday. So instead of taking a random hour throughout the day, I got them done in, you know, 90 minutes to three hours on a Sunday. So already I'm saving half of my time. But you're right. It makes you prioritize because when you have the whole to-do list for the household and you're supposed to do it all in one sitting and you can spread Mm -hmm. it out, but um, you get the bills done faster. You make better decisions with your money. You decide which errands you're going to run that week based on the week you have coming up and how much energy and how much cash you have. 
You're not just trying to hit every errand because you're close to that thing. I found yeah. it actually helped my finances a ton because I stopped spending as much because all errands then started to happen on Tuesdays and there was only so much money. So I prioritized which things had to happen based on the money instead of, you know, the time I had available to me. And so there That's were a great. lot of things that happened when I started doing anything household related mm. in this couple hour block on Sunday and then all the cleaning on Saturday. Um, and then it freed up a lot more of my time in order for me to have some time to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up, when these kids left the house. <laughs> uh, look, efficiency is like my love language. I I love efficiency. I don't like walking from one room to the other without pre-thinking, what am I going to take from that room? What do I need to, like, everything is about efficiency. And even though I love efficiency, one of the executive functions that I can struggle with and so many of my decluttering and organizing clients can struggle with is that planning ahead. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard to kind of know, like we talked about with the bagel and the salad, is knowing the next steps. And you seem to be quite creative in ways that you tackle that planning ahead. Can I'm you obsessive. Like, yeah, I was going to, I can, <laughs> I can cue you with some ideas of things I've heard you say, but I, I want to give you a bit it. of free reign. Yes, go, go, go. So I think it does start, if I think all the way back, that trying to beat your own time and cleaning your house, trying to get more done on your to-do list, like we all implement planning at like a kindergarten level. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to reorder, organize my to-do list in order of things that take a little bit of time or a longer time. And then we're like, okay, I'm going to organize my to-do list and things that have to be done at home and things that have to be done for work. Okay, I'm going to have a section. On, like we, get, we spend so much time making this list about how many ways we can organize our list so we can get through our list so much faster. Like that's mostly what productivity is. Yeah. But when you layer on significance, you realize that 80% of it probably never even needs to get done at all. Or if you could figure out the time and just take the half day and spend the time on the phone and on the computer to get it automated, to get the thing, to get the recurring subscription, you'd never have to think about that thing again. Mm -hmm. And so planning is, um, so I have a, a cycle of organizing. Decluttering is step one. So getting rid of decluttering mentally, physically, all these different ways you declutter. Then once you declutter, you have left what you want. And so you organize it. So you organize your to-do list. And you think organizing your to-do list is productivity. It is not. Productivity is doing the right things at the right times for the right reasons to move everything forward. I love the book, The One Thing. Oh, hang on, hang on. Say that again. Productivity is? Doing the right things in the right order for significance. Oh. And 80% should not be done. Incredible. Yes, I love that. So the book, the one Conti- thing says, continue on. <laughs> what is the one thing that if you did this thing, everything else could be easier or unnecessary? So mm. if you look at your to-do list and every week, like right now, mine is prescriptions because oh, don't do this, you guys. I don't know what happens in Australia, but in the United States, when your kids hit a certain age, they're in charge of their own healthcare. So I'm like, brilliant. I'll take the children off of my Walgreens app. Don't do that. So now I can't figure out how to get them back on the Walgreens app. They are not filling their prescriptions correctly. They want me to help them. Now I'm locked out of Joey's account because he's 23. And it has been such a, I mean, this has been six months. Or I'm like, you get your phone out. Now he doesn't know how to log into his phone. He can't get into the app. 
I'm like, take a picture. Four weeks to get a picture of his pill bottles. This morning as I'm getting ready, I'm like, Lisa, you've got pill bottles downstairs that have his account number on it. You could have just got, and I'm like, oh, one of the, I'm going to Walgreens on Thursday and I'm not leaving that store until he is back on my app so that I can manage this because it's been such a nagging thing. And you would say, well, that, you know, that's not productive. You're not checking it off the list. Yes. But once I get the kids finally Mm -hmm. back on my app, then I could just check it. Or when they let me know, I could check it, you know, like it'll be just so much easier and faster. So planning again, back to the PhD in my, the household, we have all these structures in place for work, not as much for entrepreneurialism, but for a traditional workplace and for school, again, not as much for homeschooling, but a traditional school. And even when you do entrepreneur or you do homeschool, you use the structures of work and school as the basis for what you create. We don't have any at home. I mean, honest to goodness, think about it. We really do not have any at home. And all of the companies that sell us stuff for home, like the robot vacuums and the soap you use in your washing things, they have done research on how those soaps and those vacuums are efficient at the tasks they do, not to support you in your role as a homeowner. Mm. Yeah. When I presented my research to them, they were like, oh, we should have been doing that research. I was like, yeah. Wow, yeah. You need to be getting all those marketing executives coming to you. Right. They're like, can we buy your research? And I'm like, not yet. Yes. So anyway. (laughs) Save up. (laughs) Yeah. So, so where is the playbook for being a homeowner? Yeah. And we don't learn it at school. I mean, parenting, plenty of playbooks, plenty of coaches, but there's nothing for being a homeowner. So we have to create it. Well, I created it, or you could try to create it on your own. And it involves planning. If you think Mm. any teacher has walked into a classroom and did not have a lesson plan or any manager, well, I can't say this is true, but every manager manager, any good manager should have thought through the meeting you're about to attend. The right people Mm. are there with an agenda that is filled out for a certain purpose. And they know if they've hit that purpose at the end of that meeting, there's organization, there's planning before the class, there's planning before the meeting. The CEO has thought through the financials and the sales plan, like there is a lot of planning that goes on behind the scenes for your job and for you as a student. You are the CEO and the COO of your house. So you have to do the planning for you and your family. It's not just about the doing. You can, you can clean your house just like you cleaned your bedroom and you could pay your bills based on whatever bill is coming in your mailbox or your email inbox. That's fine. But that's reactive living. If you want to be a pro and you want to be proactive, then you need to plan and you need to set the tone. You need to set the flow for your household. Nobody's teaching you that. No one's teaching you that. No. And this is why our industry is not, I have to try and explain it to people so often, we are not cleaners. Right. We are coaches. We come in and help you to discover what the actual problem is, create a solution that is unique for you to yep. solve the actual problem because the problem is not the stuff. Right. It's never, right. ever the stuff. No. And so You're how incredible. Would you plan? How would you plan? So um, – just, I know that your seasons are different than ours, but just think about your last back to school season. This is what's mm. hysterical for me. For years, for 14, I was a school teacher for crying out loud. And for 14 years, back to school surprised me. Like, 
oh my gosh, they need another physical. Oh, we need, because you think back to school is just getting the things on the to-do list, you know, that the teacher tells you to the get. The books and the, yeah. Right. Yep. That is like 1% of it. They need new eyeglasses. You need a new inhaler because you have to have it run through the thing. Mm -hmm. You need the physical. You need the haircut. You need the first day of school clothes. You need the back to school picture clothes. You know, you have to go to the dentist. You have to do all of these things. But you think it's just buying the school supplies. And when you really take time and sit down and make the list of all of the things that you do over the six weeks getting ready for back to school and put that into a checklist, then every single year, your back to school goes better. Now, we do it in um, July. I do it in July for you to participate. I remember I interviewed someone on my podcast. This is hilarious. She, it's a free blitz. She does the free blitzes, and then she's also in the paid courses. And she said, yeah, my friends annoy me. <laughs> she's like, yeah, so we're like laying at the pool in August, and they're like all up in arms because they haven't done anything for back to school. And, of course, I did the back to school blitz in July. So I have everything done and they're annoying. My friends are just annoying because they're just so reactive and they have not. And I was like, <laughs> or you could invite them to do the free blitz with you. You could say, Help hey, them. I mean, don't have, come on the podcast and be like, how annoying. Can't you get your stuff together? You didn't have your stuff together either every other time. Right. You were with them last August, whining and complaining. And now you're Remember like, how we talked about it being learnable? Share. Sure. Tell yes. your friends. Tell your friends. <laughs> But that's just an example, like the holidays, like yeah. you do a holiday blitz. Now when people do the holiday blitz, they're like, oh my gosh, my spouse said I could buy anything I want because our holidays were so good because I have you really yeah. think through the question. We don't stop long. Planning is stopping long enough to think through the entire holidays, getting mm -hmm. the vacation you're going to take, think through the whole thing. What are all the things that need to be done? putting it on a list and then tackling that list and then keeping that list yep. for the next time. And even like when we go on holidays or vacation, the planning that goes in beforehand for us is things like what do we what did we hate about our last holiday? Oh, it was yeah. that we felt like we had to cook. Great. We're going to put in an extra budget or we're going to sell something, we're going to do something yeah. so that on this holiday we don't have to cook even once. Exactly. And so the planning beforehand means you don't go on holidays and go, oh, my gosh, we're spending all our money. It's like, how cool is this? We saved up and we get to buy whatever we want for dinner. Yes. You think, especially oh. with ADHD, I think we think that planning is restrictive because then the spontaneity mm -hmm. will be gone. But the truth is when you actually plan, you're able to be spontaneous because all of the big things are already done for you. Like once right. I finally realized that planning was not hindering me, it was helping me. That was huge. Now, I'll be clear. Yeah. I plan everything on my calendar, like all the time, how I'm going to spend my time. And then in the morning, I'm like, no, I do that. <laughs> Follow my energy. <laughs> and I move the blocks around. And so my team sees my calendar and they just sit back and they watch. Like they get popcorn and they're like, let's see how Lisa actually does this today. And I'll move things <laughs> different days and I'll add different things. And so I follow my energy. But I yeah. know when I move that block, that block has to get done by a certain deadline. Yeah. And so it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, I could play with the energy, but you still have to plan it out. I think that's brilliant. And I think planning actually is a, a step or a pathway to freedom. Yes. Because when you're, you know, if you think about your finances, when you have planning, you're actually free to do more things because you kind of know what's coming in, you know what's going out, you know what bills are coming, and you have that freedom to be generous or to go and do something that you want to do. Yeah. I want you to give me the... 90 second answer to monitoring 
around that as an executive function. It's like I have I literally have a sticky note on my desk that says, so I guess the next thing I could do is because I constantly get stuck with that kind of paralyzing of like what's next, what's that monitoring mm. process. So self-monitoring, the executive skill of self-monitoring is the ability to evaluate what you're doing compared to what you want to be doing. So sometimes you get stuck doing something too long or something too short. So Mm. self-monitoring when you're stuck, like if I'm stuck writing something, um, I chunk everything now. I used to think that in order to write something, I needed to sit down. I needed to have four hours. But I find for me, I actually need to have an outline. I need to have the ideas. I need to know what the story is. So often in my podcast, I'll give a lot of practical tips about how to do something but I will relate it back to multiple stories of when I actually did that thing. Now, some people like to learn from the how-to and some people just like the stories, but the stories really cement the learning as we talked about earlier in the podcast. So often I will have um, my podcast that I want to record and I'll have the story, but I don't know the how-tos or I'll have the how-tos and I don't have the story. So again, index cards, I have index cards for all these podcasts. And so whenever I get an idea, I start an index card and once the index card has everything on it, then I sit down and I record the podcast. Yeah, brilliant. So some days I get a whole bunch of stories and some days I get a whole bunch of how-tos and then some weeks will go about it and I don't have anything. And then I'll get the energy to record podcasts and I'll record three or four all at once. And so I <laughs> yeah. think that that's it. Like, like self-monitoring is knowing like, how do you best work? And then how can you create little buckets of those kind of works? So that when you actually have the deadline, you're like, okay, I'm this, I wasn't going to record this podcast now because now I do like series like you're doing. But yeah, in the yeah. past, it was like, well, which podcast is the closest to be ready to be recording? That's the one mm-hmm. I'll do so I don't hit miss the recording date. So kind of yeah. like you're saying, what is the next thing? Maybe the next thing is this deadline isn't for a week. So you're actually going to do something else. And then you're going to come back to this tomorrow, but make sure you have the time to come back to it tomorrow. And I think if we go all the way back to that working memory, what you're doing in putting it on note cards in your case is you're giving yourself the, um, I'm trying to think of how to explain it, but it's, yeah, Yeah. it's like you're giving yourself actually what you need in the future. So when you do have that hyper-focus, you're like, oh, here's here's all the work I prepared earlier for when I do want to record six hours of podcasts in a row. Oh, yes, 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 exactly. Yeah, it all comes back around. Lisa, this has just been unbelievable. I am, I've got so many ideas in my head. I wish it wasn't 11 p.m. because <laughs> now I'm not going to sleep for a couple of hours, oh, but that's okay. That is all right. I'm, I'm excited by just the way that you've unlocked some things for me and I'm sure for my community as well. Community listeners, you want to go to organize365.com and it's organized with a Z. For those of you who are in Australia, don't just put your S in. And you just want to follow Lisa. You want to follow her podcast, which is the Organized 365 podcast. There's an ADHD series that I think you recorded maybe the end of last year. Yep, end of 2022. Get Lisa's book. Everything will be in the show notes. But if you want to deep dive into ADHD and organizing, Lisa is your gal. Is there anything, Lisa, that you want to kind of let people know that there's, you know, aside from your podcast and your book that they should come and check out? I think just know that organize, organization is a learnable skill. Like it is a skill that is learnable, that is not taught, unfortunately. 
And so you are listening to this podcast. So you are learning the skill of organizing through Amy. And there is no perfect finish line. Like if I could tell you that too, like one of the things I'm trying to do with teaching the skill of home organization is I've divided it into four categories so that you can declare yourself done in every category. So you can declare yourself organized. Like even professional organizers don't say they're organized because they're always thinking about that one closet that they haven't gotten to yet. It's not mm-hmm. about being perfect. It's about being able to find what you need to find so that you can free up as much time as possible to do what you're uniquely created to do. Like organization is not something that you're supposed to do for the rest of your life because you're trying to get an A at home. Amy, no one's coming yeah. to give you the A at home. So Can I give it to myself? What? I'm just going to give it to myself and let that be done. Give it to yourself. And you truly can get a lot of your areas of your home organized for that'll last for a decade or up to a year. And then it's just your personal and family organization that needs constant maintenance, not your storage and your paper. Yes, 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 yes. You have been delightful. I'm so, so grateful for your generosity of time. Listeners, make sure you check out everything that Lisa has to offer. Thank you so much for being my guest. Amy, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Yeah, I found my soul sister. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to come to Australia, so when I come, we're going to have to meet. Yes, please. Yes, Yes, please. I think I'm going to do it for my 55th birthday. So four years from now, we're going to meet. (laughs) Okay, done. Okay. I'll fly fly wherever you need to be and we'll hang out. Make sure you go back and listen to the other ADHD episodes, guys. Um, You will get something from every episode. I'll see you next week. And until then, enjoy the freedom. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land this podcast is recorded on. I would also like to pay respects to their elders, both past and present of the Kulin Nation, and extend that respect to other Indigenous Australians. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to rate and review the show on your podcast app. That will help others to find the Art of Decluttering podcast as well. If you'd like any more information, you can visit theartofdecluttering.com.au and I would love to see you in my Facebook group. Just search the Art of Decluttering community on Facebook and join today. I hope that you have an incredible rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. 